Two little boys, uh, brothers, sitting in Sunday school class one morning, and uh, the younger one was fidgeting and squirming and fidgeting some more. And um, all of a sudden, he just blurted out, this is boring. And his older brother poked him in the rib with his elbow and said, shut up. It's church. Church is supposed to be boring. (laughs) Well, uh, probably both of those boys uh, spoke a truth that a lot of people feel based on uh, patterns of behavior. You know, the perception that it is boring and uh, that it the perception that it's supposed to be boring. Uh, a tough subject this morning, uh, why are people turned off by church? Uh, I want to introduce you, first of all, to a book uh, that was written by Tom and Joni Schultz, and uh, it's entitled, Why Nobody Wants to Go to Church Anymore. Uh, it's, it's kind of honest. You don't want to read it unless you're uh, uh, willing to be sort of discouraged about the lay of the land and the present reality of church attendance, and by the way, uh, Tom Schultz is the one who started uh, group publishing, and some of you know about that because of the material, and out of that movement came the Life Tree Cafe, which we do on Wednesday nights, and so he's a very creative man, and, and they've done a lot of surveying, a lot of listening, a lot of, a lot of uh, interviews, and they've come up with some really uh, startling and disturbing trends, and, and I, I'm not sharing with you very many, just the tip of the iceberg this morning, just enough to get us serious about the problem. 2.7 million people in the United States every year drop out of church. 2.7 million Americans every year drop out of church, and that's bad enough, but if you just do the cumulative, you know, if you just add that up over a period of years, that's, uh, that, that's pretty mind-boggling. Um, the other statistic you see up there is that uh, seven in ten Protestants, ages between the ages of 18 and 30, who attended church regularly in high school, will drop out by the time they are 23 years of age. Seven out of ten, if they're regular in high school, in that age group, in that cohort group, will drop out by the time they're 23, and Get this, we only get one-third of them back by the age 30. Only one-third of them come back by the age of 30. And the statistic that maybe I found most interesting and, and uh, troubling is that of the people who've been surveyed, 64%, almost two-thirds of the Americans surveyed, said that they would be interested in pursuing their faith in an environment other than typical church. They want faith. They, they want a relationship with God, but they're interested, almost two-thirds, 64% are interested in a, a venue, a format, different than typical church. So you see, like I said, you, you borrow this book sometime or buy it for yourself and you're going you're gonna to be sort of shocked into some reality therapy. Uh, why do people leave church? Why are people turned off by church today? Uh, we don't want to oversimplify. A lot of reasons. We don't, want to, we don't want to make it too simple. But maybe the best thing to do is to go to Scripture and find out why people were turned off by church in Jesus' day and then see if there are parallel and connecting points to see if people were turned off 
by church in Jesus' day for the same reasons that people are turned off by church in our day. So, here's the first turnoff. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, the distance between what a person professes and what a person is, between talk and walk, between belief and behavior, that distance, that dissonance between the two. If you remember, Jesus said, you know, now Moses' teachings are great. That's basically what Jesus said in this scripture. He said to the, the people, Moses' teachings are great, and it's okay to do what these scholars, scribes, and Pharisees teach, just don't do what they do. Because what they teach and what they do are two different things. That's, that's what Jesus said. And by the way, the scribes, the scholars, were the people who read and knew God's law intimately. Remember, people in Jesus' day, not many of them read. Not many of them could read. The scribes were the gatekeepers, because if you're the one who can read, then you can also interpret, right? You can tell people what, what, it, what it says. So they have a lot of power, and so they're, they know God's law. They're the religion scholars. The Pharisees, on the other hand, are laymen. 6,000 men who were lay people committed to living God's law to the nth degree. Now, I want you to follow this. These scribes and Pharisees, did they love God? Yes. Were they sincere? Yes. Did they revere Scripture? Of course. Were their lives moral in terms of out external keeping of rules? Yes. But were they missing the point? Yes. It's possible to love God, to love church, to honor Scripture, to be externally clean because you keep the rules and still miss the point. Jesus said they're missing the point because all of their focus is on external rules and not internal consistency. It's hypocrisy. It's a turnoff. It's a turnoff in Jesus' day. It's a turnoff in our day when people see the inconsistencies of our lives. Here's the second turnoff. Judgmentalism. Self-righteousness. It is the using of guilt to burden people and control people. The using of shame and guilt the, the use of ought-tos and shoulds and should-nots, the use of God's teachings to control and manipulate people and to judge people. Did you know that in America, 87% of people who are surveyed view Christians as judgmental? 87% of people who are surveyed judge Christians or see Christians as judgmental. That's, that's pretty pretty high. You, you, did you hear what Jesus said? He said, you, these are the people, instead of giving you God's law as food and drink, they package it in bundles of rules, loading you down like pack animals. See, what happens in church is that we start majoring on the minors. We start majoring on the little nitpicking things that, that aren't really eternally significant. We do that because we feel more comfortable, because we feel more superior. I don't know why we do it, but we do. We, we play the church version of trivial pursuit. We pursue the trivial. 
and we make a big deal of it. Here's a quote, see if you can resonate with it. The church has sometimes locked itself in small things and in small-minded rules. I want you to guess who said that. And if you're an 815 service, you don't get to, you don't get to say, you don't get to guess. Guess who said that? The church has sometimes locked itself up in small things and in small-minded rules. Guess who said that? Anybody? We're a small crowd. We can be informal. Somebody take a guess who said that. Martin Luther? Good guess. Me, yeah, I said it. Way to go, Jeremy. Jeremy goes to the head of the class. I said it. The rest of you weren't paying attention. Boy, that guy is smart. It was Pope Francis. Pope Francis. And he's telling the truth. And he said a lot of other, he has said a lot of other things since he's been Pope about his branch of the church and about our branch of the church, and it's all the same. We get tangled up in small-minded rules. There's a story that comes from Sweden about this very pious elderly woman. Oh man, could she keep rules. She was a nitpicker, and she loved to shake her bony finger in the face of people who weren't keeping God's rules properly and the church laws properly, and she was very judgmental and very harsh. And she even said, you know, uh, she, she was picking at some of the church members because they drank wine occasionally. And she said, you know, if our church ever starts using real wine instead of grape juice at communion, I'll have to leave the church. And someone finally got the courage to point out to this elderly, pious woman, well, you know, Jesus offered wine to his disciples at the Last Supper, and that means that Jesus probably drank wine. And she thought for a moment and she said, yes, and you know, that's one of the things about Jesus that I've never liked. You know the moral of that story? Even Jesus can't get into some of our churches. That's what I take from that. Even Jesus could not be a member of some of our churches because of all the rules. Think about it. You know, it's kind of humorous. Uh, if you think back, uh, depending on how old you are, about 20, 30, 40 years ago, church rules that used to be so important to us that aren't now, and you kind of laugh about it. In, in my years of ministry, here are some of the rules that were important. Early in my ministry, you have to preach from a Bible translation that uses Elizabethan English from 1611. The King James Version was written in 1611, and if you used a more modern translation, you were a liberal. It's, it's been 500 years, and we don't talk that way anymore. But we, we used to fight over that. Or how about, should women be allowed to wear slacks to church? Should women be allowed to wear pantsuits? Well, aren't you glad we're over that one, ladies, on a cold Sunday morning? But I mean, that, those were the things that people wanted to argue about. And then, you know, whether the Lord's Supper can be offered to other guests in church or for the Lord's Supper, uh, or is the Lord's Supper only for members of this church closed communion? Thank God our church practices open communion, open to everyone. But those are the things that the churches want to fight about. Now, here's the kicker. We're laughing about that now. But in 30, in 30 years, what are people going to be looking at us and laughing about? In 30 years, what are they going to be saying about us? About some of our nitpicking rules. Because rules just make it more convenient to judge others. It gives you a handy vehicle. 
Somebody said one time, I love this concept, the difference between religion and faith. Religion is something we have to carry around. Faith carries us. See the difference? Religion is that drudgery, that burden that we have to carry, but faith carries us. So here's the third turnoff. We talked about hypocrisy and judgmentalism. Here's the third turnoff. Haughtiness and self-importance. I don't know why, but we church members sure like to take ourselves seriously. Pretentious. And would you agree with me that religion in order to, to impress others is nauseating? Religion in order to impress others is just plain nauseating. But Jesus talked about this pretentious haughtiness that, that uh, passes for religion. He, he says uh, their lives are perpetual fashion shows, embroidered prayer shawls one day, flowery prayers the next. They love to sit at the head table where they can be noticed. They love basking in prominent positions, preening in radiance to public flattery, receiving honorary degrees and being called doctor and reverend. You know, the, um, the the followers uh, of the Jewish law would sometimes wear phylacteries. Phylacteries were uh, leather pouches strapped around their forehead or on their forearm strapped uh, that contained ver what we would call verses of the Bible, passages from the Torah, passages from the law. And that way they could always say, the Word of God is always near me. The Word of God is always around me. The Word of God is always near my mind. And, and it was okay as a devotional act to remember God's Word no matter what you do and, and no matter where you go. But, but Jesus was making fun of them for making their phylactery so large that, that it, it was a showing off and it was, it was just ridiculous. And the fringe on their robes would be longer and more colorful so it would draw attention to how pious they are. Let me ask you a tough question. The energy and time you invest in church. Is it mostly so that you will look better and feel better about yourself? Or is it mostly about helping broken lives? Be honest. The energy that we spend on church, is it mostly about feeling better about ourselves and looking better to others, or is it about helping broken lives? See, Jesus had a solution for all this. He says, don't, don't let people do that to you, put you on a pedestal. He says, we only have one teacher, that's God, and, and, and there's, only one, there's only one instructor, there's only one Father, Jesus said. And Jesus said, learn humility. Learn not to put yourself first. Do you want to stand out? Then step down, Jesus said. Be a servant. Don't puff yourself up. You'll get the wind knocked out of you. But be content to be simply yourself. Jesus was saying, we're all just students. We're all just servants. And we're all just sinners. Can you remember those three? That's all we ever are. There's no hierarchy in the church. 
Whatever position I have as pastor is a functional position. It's not an honor position. I'm just Doyle. You're just you. There's no hierarchy in the church. We're all always students learning from one teacher. We're all always servants, serving one another and a a lost world. We're all always sinners. The church is a democracy. We're just folks. We're just people. And so it really comes down simply to this. Is my life making it easier or more difficult for people to find God and experience God? And is my church making it easier or more difficult for people to find God and experience God? Could we come to the place where we no longer see church as guardian of doctrinal purity, but rather see the church as the greatest place on earth for relationships. That this is the place you come to be real and to be loved and to give love. That our chief role is not guardian of doctrinal purity, but the place to discover rich relationships. Could we come to the place where we finally see the church not as protector of its own interests, but servant to hurting lives? We're not here just to protect our own interests. We're here to serve hurting lives. And could we finally come to the place where we stop clinging to security and privileges, but instead live in order to risk for the poor, the needy, and the lost? To to stop being consumed with clinging to privilege and security and start living to risk for the poorest, the, the most lost, the most broken, the most discouraged around us. In short, will we, will we be a church focused on comfort or transformation? See, the world's turned off by churches focused on comfort. But the world is somehow drawn to a church focused on transformation. Think about it.